This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play back in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is unbelievably Tuesday, April 19th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man who knows all too well what this day means to BYU fans worldwide. Jerem Jordan. Well, it means a lot to one person in particular, Johnny Linehan, 4th and 19. So, uh, yeah, that's coming up later in the program. But uh, he tweeted, have a great day today. Four pictures of Johnny, three of which are rugby, one of which is uh, the infamous 4th and 19 (laughs) run out of the end zone uh, for a uh, massive loss that amazingly didn't result in any Boise State points. But, yes, this is a day that uh, lives in infamy. Because of that play call. Johnny just executed the play call. Now, there's, there's not really been a, in a, a true accounting for, like, who, who called this play. Was it Kalani? Was it Ed Lamb? Who was it? Nobody wants to take, no one wants to take it. the fault for that. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, it didn't result in any points. Unfortunately, BYU loses this game. But uh, it was a crazy one. There's a longstanding principle known well to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that... There shall be some rules given, but then you govern yourself. And later, Johnny tried to govern himself in a, a specific or a, a similar scenario and uh, ended up with again. a similar result. Yeah, against LSU uh, in 2017. <laughs> well, BYU didn't even cross the 50 in that game. There were bigger issues than Johnny oh boy. fake punting again. Yeah. Ugh. Unfortunately, issues are kind of the word of the day here and the theme of the show. Not to say you can't overcome them, but BYU basketball, moving away from football, is now dealing with some issues, like losing six players thus far to either graduation or the transfer portal. Can BYU rebuild now and get to the NCAA tournament, or is the rebuild too much to ask for those type of postseason hopes? We'll discuss it. Interim head coach of BYU baseball, Trent Pratt, joins us after BYU wins three tough games in a four-game series at Nebraska and to preview the Utah showdown, plus the top five coaches all time at BYU as we celebrate a new edition of Top 5 Tuesday. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. More future non-conference football games have been canceled in the wake of BYU's entrance into the Big 12. So the 2023 and 24 games against UNLV are canceled. I am hoping that BYU has UNLV occasionally to get into Allegiant Stadium some more because that stadium is Okay. And you like BYU against UNLV as one of those chalk em up wins for the most part. Utah non-conference scheduling, they did ABC. That's the C game for sure. Okay. BYU baseball, as I just mentioned, at Utah following the three games to one series win at Nebraska. This will mark the 374th meeting all time between BYU and Utah. Utah is currently 5-5 five and five in their last 10. BYU kind of rolling at 7-3 and three out of conference before both teams step back into their respective conferences in the WCC and Pac-12. 373, that's got to be the most in any sport between BYU and Utah. And the first one ended in a scoreless uh brawl. It's so perfect, isn't it? It's perfect. It really is. Rumor has it Max Hall was there. Freshman catcher Mason Strong is the WCC Player of the Week after hitting 333 last week against Nebraska, including a solo homer, or we can just call it a solar, in the eighth (laughs) inning of a 6-6 tie in game two. 
pretty awesome because you have uh, Colin Ruder and Mason Strong, both uh, sure. freshman catchers doing good work. Is that a thing now? A solar? A solar. Yeah. He rocked a solar. What, what uh, depends if your city buys back the energy or not. Okay. Just go with it and see what happens. <laughs> Zach Dobb, the USFL's Tampa Bay Bandits. He and his teammates defeating Pittsburgh 17-3 in a Monday night season opener. Monday night football in mid-April. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Died three tackles, two for a loss, and a sack. Corbin Capusi also played in the game. He had a big block that sprung a touchdown. Yeah. Nice to see those former Cougars doing some work. Track and fields ranked eighth nationally in the USTFCCCA rankings. BYU one of eight programs to put the men and the women in the top ten. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Joe Lenardi, ESPN bracketologist, already back to work. All of what, like 10 days after the NCAA championship uh, was determined? He's had two, two weeks. He's, he's had a little bit two of a break. Two half weeks. He's already producing brackets for next season, and... Kind of not surprisingly, BYU is nowhere to be found in his way too early bracket. It shouldn't be. Understandable based on the yep. Cougars not making the tournament. And then, as we pointed out, top of the show, losing so much. Six players thus far. So, Jerem, the question now is, can BYU basketball rebuild through the transfer portal and other means enough to make the NCAA tournament in their finale through the West Coast Conference? We certainly hope so, right? And, uh... I think we believe that Mark Pope can, can do this, but it will be a challenge because we don't know who those players are. It's hard to say definitively yes or no uh, in this. BYU will certainly need to uh, do a lot of work. Ben Criddle of ESPN 960 is reporting as of 10 minutes ago that there will be another player who is on scholarship from BYU who will enter the transfer portal today. We don't know who that is quite yet. But, uh, yeah, if that's the case, hey, that means you'd have, what, five in the portal? Hunter Erickson, and uh, obviously uh, Gideon George and Caleb Lohner and Nate Hanson. Yeah. Those would be the four. And so, I don't want to speculate. I, yeah, I don't want to either. But, that it, yeah, another one, whoa. Uh, you know, that, that's concerning. As long as BYU can keep, uh, you know, Foos in there, that's your kind of one returning starter at this point. And uh, BYU's got some talent coming in off missions. BYU has some experienced guards returning. Yes, there needs to be some pieces. Um, in order for BYU to make the tourney, they've got to have a veteran. Uh, and I say veteran. It could be someone who's a talented sophomore coming in. Point some, guard. Some experience. Got to have another two or three, and you got to have a big, uh, ideally a five, to have a shot at the tourney. Will BYU be able to be better than last year with players from the transfer portal? It's a big ask because uh, you think about replacing Alex Barcelo, it's like, Chance Star BYU doesn't bring in someone of Alex Barcelo's caliber. But when you talk about the collective, sure, you could bring in three players that are better than, th you know, A.B. and Tijon and Caleb, perhaps, right? Caleb and Gideon at times were awesome, but together it was like, what, 15 and 12 or something? You can bring in two players who can produce 15 and 12. Uh, you hope more. So, yeah, it, it's hard to say today on April 19th without knowing who the players are. Can BYU do it? Well, well sure. We, we believe that that can happen, yeah. BYU, I think they need more than one big man now because Caleb Lohner is gone, and they lost Gavin Baxter and Richard Harward oh, so, I mean, just heartbreakingly early in the season. 
to separate conditions. But heartbreaking is an unfortunate pun yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, no pun intended. With Richard Harwood for, Harvard, for yeah. sure, right? Zodiac, yeah. So it's not only do they need one, I think they need two because they got to have somebody come off the bench. Sure. Like you have Fusini Traore that you hope can play the four. Yeah. You bring in a starting center at the five. Who's is a four? Yeah. Or it's a Tiki's position. Okay, I mean, I that, think you that, need a vet. To that's come the in reality there. that BYU is facing right now. If, if you don't bring in another five, if we're talking tourney standard, and then you need some, you need some depth. You got to have somebody yeah. able to come off the bench and spell those guys. Maybe a tiki is the depth, but don't you need? I don't know, four big men in the rotation, or at least the ability to go nine or ten deep on your bench, and that typically includes like having four capable big men. Right now, BYU has. Yeah. One starter and one reserve. So I think they have to have two big men well, on top of the point guard. Situation. As of now, Atiki is the starting five. Yeah. Because you don't know. It would be Atiki and Foose, Spencer Johnson, Trevin Nell, and then Dallin Hall yeah. at point guard. Seneca Knight, perhaps. Seneca Knight uh, also uh, in the mix. One of those two, twos, and yeah, threes, yeah. right? Yeah. Seneca is a starter. One of the, three of those guys make the two. Yeah. The point remains but like, if, who's if BYU is going to today? lose another player. That's just one more position and one more piece that Mark Pope has to figure out in this rebuild mode, probably through the transfer portal. And we say transfer portal because it's taking over college basketball. We'll have more on that in just a moment. But it's probably going to be BYU needing to get at least four players, at least yeah, the four th- from the, th- the transfer the portal. The three I'm referring to are like guys who come in and probably start. Because, yes, I'm with you. BYU would need five total big men. You probably need two fives and three fours, unless you're going super big and you want three fives. Right, or you or you go small and you you know bump one of your three guards up to the four on occasion for matchup purposes. Yeah, but you don't care. You you need to go in with five power forwards and centers total. That's a lot to ask. But Three, three more dudes. I am not going to put it past Mark Pope that he can't do it because look at what he's already brought in through the transfer portal. And I'm just going to throw out a few names. Uh, Jake Toulson. Uh, how about Alex Barcelo? I mean, we're talking to Matt Harms. Great play- Matt Brandon Averitt. Brandon Averitt, T. John Lucas. Yeah, those are, those are all really good players. <laughs> he's getting okay? high-quality players through the transfer portal on a regular basis. Yes, he can say to someone, Spence. Come play now! You can come and start and play in the Big 12. That's a really good allure. Uh, and, oh, by the way, it can play in front of uh, 20,000 fans. Like, it, it, this is a big-time program that has an opportunity here. Those points it, are worth something. Yes. And there, BYU needs to get Matt Harms-level guys to make the NCAA tournament. Because without Matt Harms-level guys, they didn't last year, right? Mm. Um, you, you've got to have uh, quality. You've got to have depth. And, unfortunately, last year is very different. And we talked about it ad nauseum, but it – we need to repeat it, that if Gavin Baxter or Richard Harward play, it's a very different season. Unfortunately, that happened. Yeah. But Foose uh, grew a lot, and he's going to be sure. um, perhaps the face of the team next year at this point, Spence. We just pointed out five big-time transfers, but now BYU is facing a situation where they need three big-time transfers in the same year. Yes, to, I, and they might need to all be the guy. Whew. You know what I mean? They might need these three. Might need to be the big three. Like BYU is probably going to be bring in someone who's going to be the leading scorer on the team, the top two, probably. Wow. But let's go. I don't want to speculate on on this news too. I got people texting me right now. Who's it going to be Spencer? Yeah. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Yeah. Haven't haven't heard quite yet. Okay. Topic two is building teams year to year through the transport of the new norm, and are you ready for it? 
Well, ready or not, <laughs> it's already here. Yeah. It's already here. Yeah. John Rossi pointed out so aptly, and I quote a tweet, the programs of college basketball who are still able to build programs are now the exception. The programs in college basketball who build teams year to year are now the norm. This is life in 2022. Embrace it. Mm -hmm. End quote. Yeah. I think we have embraced it. We embraced it when we understood what Mark Pope was about. We knew what was happening and the advantage that Mark Pope had coming from Utah Valley University where he was like all about the transfer and he brought that ideology to BYU. So we kind of already like knew about this. This is not a surprise. It's interesting to see guys like Dick Vitale and all these national analysts kind of freaking out now about the transfer portal. Stuck but in 1987? I, I like, feel like it's, it's been here for a, at least two years. It's 2022. I know the numbers are bigger. Uh, last we checked, there are 1,418 players in the portal, according to Jeff Goodman. Massive number. 1,418 Division One players in the portal. 158 walk-ons are uh, in that group. 19 withdrew, so 1,241 scholarship players overall in that portal, Jeremy. From Jeff Goodman. 1,241 scholarship players. It's 25% of college basketball. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. Like every year, so that, that basically you're replacing four, of your, four or five of your 13 players a year. Yes. The moment the NCAA said you can transfer one time, no penalty. Yeah, you opened up free agency. On top of the COVID yeah. scenario, and I think COVID right. has has really, like, it's peaking because of the one-year exception and COVID happening simultaneously. Everyone's got an extra year and the whole deal, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, so it will, I don't think it's going to get worse than it is right now, if well, you want to call it worse, or more yeah, dramatic. Yeah, well, I can't, I can't confidently say that. Because you think the number will grow? I just think it, because of COVID, might. with the exception, the number's going to stay high. I just don't think it's going to get much higher, if at all, than this right now. I can't say either way. 25%? That is an incredible percentage if, if college you, basketball. If you think you should get a better opportunity and you're not going to be penalized to go somewhere else and someone wants you, why wouldn't you? You know, I, I get it. There is value, obviously, in grinding and staying there and earning your spot. But aren't it? At BYU, we're used to a certain level of commitment. So we're uncomfortable with this idea. Oh, you know what? We don't just get married for now. We get married forever. <laughs> right? Oh, you're oh, you're in a calling. You're gonna have this for years, this volunteer thing. Like we, we're used to a certain level of commitment that's like, hey, if you say you're going, you know, on your two-year mission trip, you go for two years. And unfortunately, there's this stigma, like if you come home early for legit reasons, there's these ne these negative feelings from people around that that should not exist. I, I actually really hate that. There's legit reasons for why you come home early from a mission or whatever. But like, we, we are used to a certain level of commitment. So when someone just bounced after a year, we go, oh, they weren't committed for time and eternity. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa, simmer down, simmer down. It, this, is, this is all just dating. College basketball sure. and athletics, it's all just dating. You're not married. You're yeah. dating. I, and I, listen, I, you bring up some great points. Like, I think the number will remain high. I just feel like because of the COVID exception, more players were like, I'm going to take advantage of this extra year. I've already been here four years. Eh, let's go do another year somewhere else and experience something different. It started with grad transfer stuff. And that exists. It was like, oh, you can just go for one year. Jordan Leslie was awesome, right? We all love that. Yeah. 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 So I, it's the number remains high. Samson Nakua. We're, we're embracing it. Here we go. Our question of the day. Can BYU basketball rebuild and make a run for the NCAA tournament this year? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation. 
on BYU Sports Nation. All right, Jim Roberts answers on Twitter. He says, absolutely. Just need the right mix, and with about 1,000 players, uh, that's now 1,418, as we just reported from Jeff Goodman. So many. In the transfer portal, the right mix is out there. Find, Maybe this is the right perfect time to expect BYU. to find three high-level transfers. Yeah, can you find more Alex Barcelo, Jake Toulson, Matt Harms, Brandon Averett, Tijon Lucas types? Yeah, those are high-level, high-contributing players, absolutely. I, yeah, this is one area I don't doubt Mark Pope is in his ability to lure a transfer and a high-level one from the transfer. This year it just feels like it needs more of it. more. And BYU was, yeah. was senior heavy this last year, right? In the backcourt sure. and in the frontcourt and whatnot. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, coming up, an exclusive with Johnny Linehan on what happening at Boise State in 2016. And the new baseball interim head coach, Trent Pratt, joins us after just a remarkable series in Nebraska. Hardball at its finest. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. All plays at Utah tonight. Listen to the game on the BYU Radio app at 8 Eastern time. Always fun when these two tangle on the diamond. Let's go, Batcats. Meeting number 374. That's got to be the tonight. most of any teams ever. BYU and Utah. It has to be. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton. To my left sits Jerem Jordan. And to Jerem's left now sits the new interim head baseball coach of BYU uh, yeah, the Batcats, I should say, Trent Pratt. Trent, welcome to Studio B. What's up, Trent? Uh, How you guys doing? First Great. of all, congratulations on a huge series win at Nebraska during an emotional time. That was really big-time baseball by your guys. Yeah, it was fun. Um, we were talking earlier, I don't think I've ever been a part of four one-run games like consecutively ever in my career, coaching or playing. So it's even better when you win three of them. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad that happened. Was that good for that your happened. heart? I mean, to begin that way? <laughs> it was good when it was over. I know that for sure. Um, <laughs> During, I mean, it was fun. Um, it, was, it was a good field. Um, thank goodness I have the coaching staff around me to help because it's not a one-man show, that's for sure. Uh, we need, you know, Coach Herring and those guys or um, Tuckett Slade and Noah and Michael Bradshaw. It's, man, it, it's a team effort for sure. It's a really good staff, and it needs to be because, obviously, last week the news came out, Mike Littlewood resigned for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. What was that day like, and uh, what was the reaction from the staff? Um, it, it was shocking, for one. Um, didn't really see it coming. So that, that was shocking. And addressing the team and, and some of the questions they had. And, you know, we just support Coach Littlewood and, and his decision and, and, and just move forward. And that's kind of what we talk about as a team is like, hey, this is kind of where we're at right now. And we kind of have two choices. So, I mean, you've been one of his assistants for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You're very close with him. Um, what did you learn from him that's helping you transition into this new spot that's at the top of the list of, of things that, you know, Mike kind of helped you grasp onto? Basically, I mean, you know, you guys know him. He's a perfectionist, like yes. attention to detail. He he does a great job with that, and that's something that I know I need to improve on. My role is always kind of like, hey, man, I was the base, I was in the cages, you know, kind of the grunt worker more or less. <laughs> and so now being on the, on the other side, there's some things that I'm realizing that, man, that I, I need to get better at and improve and – like I said earlier, it's it's not just me. Luckily that, you know, me and Coach Herring have been together for 14 years as well. And he deserves a lot of this credit as well, you know, going forward. You know, his recruiting and the team we have. 
it always helps when you have really good players. Let's mm -hmm. put it that way. Yeah. Um, you don't win without good players. And so thank goodness for all those things. Um, and thank goodness for some, some key hits late last weekend that helped, you know, that transition a little bit. Yeah. You mentioned with the team, you were saying there were two choices. Mm -hmm. What were the two choices? Man, we can feel sorry for ourselves and feel sad. Or we can say, this is, this is, this is the hand we're dealt right now, and, and we can turn it loose and have a great time the rest of the season and, and put this thing together and, and go have some fun and win a bunch of ball games. And they rallied to win three one-run games. That's incredible. And especially bouncing back from a one-run, 1-0 uh, loss. Yeah. That's a tough one because defensively you're like, hey, one run. That's amazing. Yeah. We didn't score a run, but then you win the next three. What did it take to do that? Man, it was, it's a team effort. I mean, we used a lot of guys. Obviously, our pitching staff was unbelievable. And all three, all three of those were comeback wins, too. Um, we got down in all of them. It's just a credit to our players more, more than anything else is, man, they just kept playing hard. We kind of talked about it before, before the game. The first night was tough. The wind was blowing. Well, the wind blowed every day. But we just talked, hey, it doesn't matter if we get hits, what it is. It's about, man, being tough and making the pitchers really work. And we got some guys on base, and, and we got some big hits. That's one of the things we track is, hey, what do we do when guys are in scoring position? Because I think we, we didn't hit very good on the weekend as far as having overall hits. But we got big hits when it mattered. And that's, I guess, how you win baseball games sometimes. Interim head baseball coach Trent Pratt is with us on BYU Sports Nation. I'm gathering that you've been so busy you haven't had time to scour through Twitter. But so <laughs> I'll just update you. I mean, the support for you has been pretty overwhelming from former players, current players, and whatnot. Um, how have you felt that? Uh, if at, at all, have you been so just like in the moment that you haven't thought about that? Or are you feeling that right now? Um, I haven't looked at Twitter a ton. When it all happened, I was like, man, I, I try to just stay off social media. But I've got a lot of texts from former players, um, coaching friends, and everyone. And it feels great to have the support, to have former players reach out and say, hey, man, I, I love that you're there. You're going to do a great job. It helps me have a little confidence because when it hit, it's like, oh, man, can I really do this? Like, am I ready for this? To have people tell you you're ready and, hey, just be yourself and go get it, man, it, it means a lot to have that type of support. How are you managing the stress of this? Because let's be honest, this is a debut for the head coaching job as well, but also mm -hmm. you want to win right now with this group this year. Mm -hmm. We just talked about it's about right now. Um, we start worrying about the future, you're going to get in trouble. Our job, we told our players, that was one of the things we talked about is, hey, our job is today. We're going to go practice our tails off today and get better. When tomorrow comes, we're going we're to wake up, we're going to worry about that day. Um, so that's kind of this, how this team's thinking. That's how I'm thinking is, man, we're just going to worry about what do we have to do today to win a game or what do we have to do a day of practice to get better. And then, man, whatever happens at the end of it, it's going to work out as supposed to. Well, things uh, certainly don't lighten up. I mean, you've won six of seven. Now you get Utah in mm -hmm. the rivalry. And we pointed out earlier, uh, the first game between BYU and Utah ended in a scoreless brawl. which is <laughs> I'm kind of hoping for that tonight, I'll be honest. It's the perfect way to start that rivalry <laughs> in baseball. Uh, what do you know about the Utes, and what's the, what's the game plan to attack them tonight mm -hmm. and try and make it seven wins in eight games? Uh, Utes are playing good right now. Coming off a big what, one, a series against Arizona, so man, we're gonna we don't really worry about the other opponent as much. We're gonna worry about us. Um, we'll run four or five guys out there on the mound tonight, um, save some arms, make sure we have enough arms for the weekend. But man, we're just gonna go compete, compete hard, and and be tough, and hopefully come out with a win tonight. Another question, uh, I guess, about Mike. You've known him for a long time, right? He he identified yeah. you as kind of a prospect in in like high school or something been a long time and then you coached forever together yeah it was a crazy story I was in eighth grade playing on like a trout for a travel team and I was a shortstop or third baseman and they asked has anyone here ever caught before because I guess the catching wasn't very good and I go I've caught before and they kind of tease me like well where don't you play and they stuck me back there and him and um coach Cramblett and Bob Kyes said 
hey, there's a lot of guys who can play shortstop, but not many guys can catch like that. Like, you should really consider, like, being a catcher. And so I guess I have them to thank for my playing career as far as, like, making a position change because wow. as a catcher, I wouldn't be able to play as long as I did and play, play professional baseball as a shortstop. When I got there, I got to college, I'm like, yeah, I'm not as good as the other shortstops. I had no chance. But as a catcher, I was okay. And, and then you uh, – so he IDs you, but then you're on his staffs forever, right, at Dixie and uh, BYU yeah. and everything? Yeah, we kept in touch. Um, after I had signed a minor contract with the Phillies, me and my wife had bought a house in St. George. And so I was able to work out there. My little brother actually played for him at Dixie. So I was able to work out there in the offseason. And um, when I got released, he said, hey, if you want to help me coach, I I'd love to have you. I can pay for your school. And then I finished school, and he goes – a position where he goes, hey, if you want that position – Man, it's yours. There you go. And so I have a lot to thank to Coach Littlewood as far as coaching career goes. Um, I knew when I, when I got done playing coaching, something I always wanted to do. And, man, he gave me an opportunity to do that. Now, let's stay with the backstory. Where were you when you received that call and you said you got released? What was happening in your professional career when you made the transition to coaching? Like, originally? Yeah. I, I was living in St. George. I just got released. Um, like, that spring training, I came home. And I was driving a delivery truck. <laughs> <laughs> um, for my wife's cousin, I was delivering like toiletry supplies all over U Southern Utah County, driving up to Zion, different gas stations, just covering the whole valley. This is what, this is what baseball players, <laughs> real baseball players do, I man. I think you made a mistake. You should have stuck with that. <laughs> I, w I was a great delivery driver. I'll, I will say that. Um, so from there, I, I need to finish school. And so I talked to him and he said, hey, man, I can pay for your school if you want to help. Mm. So, man, we, I just had twin daughters, my wife had started a volleyball club. I was, I was, I also um, wiped off cars at Fabulous Freddy's in St. George. I worked there for a couple of years. I know the place. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, so that was kind of the story. And then a job opened up, a full-time job. And I took that job. My wife was still running her volleyball club. She was actually, before we moved up here, my, my wife was actually the head coach, volleyball coach at Dixie College for a year mm. until, you know, Mike was, I was fortunate enough to Mike asked me to come up here with him when, when this opportunity arised. And sometimes he would go ref games and you would be, the interim head coach, right? Yeah. So this isn't the first time you've sort of done this, right? Hopefully my record here is as good as it was at Dixie. I think I was like like 18 and 1 or something like that. So <laughs> hopefully I keep that rolling now. That's awesome. Oh, you're off to a good start. Yeah. <laughs> you win a 3 or 4 at Nebraska. Is, is it weird coaching third now? I coached third. Now I went in the dugout last weekend. Oh, oh sorry. Okay, yeah. I was coaching the transition, third, right? like the end of last year into this year. And then yeah. I was like, man, I'm going to go in the dugout. And yeah. if I need to make a pinch hit or something like that, I feel sure. a little more comfortable being able to see guys and talk to you guys. Yeah, so. Yeah. We'll see how it works. So what's the biggest change in your day-to-day -day, uh, moving into this new role? Coming on Sports Nation's one. <laughs> I think I've been here one time before. <laughs> um, lucky you! Seriously, it is lucky me. Um, the baseball side's the same. That's what I told our players. Hey, just because whatever, I have some interim tag, I'm, I'm the same guy. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to be any different. That, that This is who I am. Things aren't going to change. Um, the day-to-day -day stuff is, you know, Duff, um, media things, things I didn't know Coach dealt with a lot. Those small things, doing those things, um, that's been the biggest thing. Once we get on the field, man, baseball is baseball. Um, and I, that's where I feel most comfortable, honestly, right now. So I'm glad that we had like a short week and got on the road and got to play some games. We have to ask you before you go, will that epic mustache ever return? Man, there's a chance. <laughs> my my five-year-old son, he wasn't around when I had it, or he saw pictures like, Dad, are you ever going to grow that mustache back out? And I'm like, 
I don't know, but it was pretty good. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Seriously. It was amazing. It, it was Magnum. Magnum PI was jealous yeah. of that mustache. I wasn't even mad. I was actually impressed. <laughs> yes. yeah. If it's needed, it'll come back for sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Trent, great to have you with us. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the game against Utah tonight. Yeah, Thank good luck rolling. tonight. Then Appreciate we'll, it. Um, then we'll see you against San Diego this weekend. Yeah, yeah let's absolutely. do it. Let's, let's do it again. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you guys. Okay, coming up, a man who throws a discus. Dallin Schertz will join us. And what's the worst way to spend $1,000? We may have an idea. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world. Congrats to all the BYU graduates this, uh, this week. Good graduation on Thursday. BYU Sports Nation will be on the BYU TV app. BYU Radio app, of course. Uh, as graduation takes place on BYU TV. Paisley Harding will join us to talk about her uh, trying out and trying to make the Seattle Storm. It's coming up Thursday. He is Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get content throughout your day, whenever you want it, that's how this works. Go to our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Now, typically, this is where we whip it, but we have a very special throwback yeah. because of this special day, April 19th, to commemorate 4th and 19th, <laughs> a, dark, a dark moment in BYU sports history as we look back in depth at our exclusive mockumentary on the Johnny Linehan 4th and 19th Spectacular from 2019. You know, this is always one of the the tougher things to talk about when it's, man, I don't even know where to begin. Um, guys, I don't even know if I can talk about this. This was the darkest day in BYU football history, no doubt. It, it was horrible. I couldn't watch football, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. My kids were asking why I was sitting in a dark room. Every BYU fan knows exactly where they were when it happened. They know what barbecue they were at, and what flavor of Jello they were eating? Provo YSA 342nd Ward. I was eating pink Jello with whipped cream. Vineyard Grove Park First Ward uh, was green Jello with carrots. It's, a, it's an acquired taste. Uh, BYU YSA 419th Ward. Um, I was eating green Jello. It's where I met my wife, actually. If I hadn't seen it with my own eyes, I don't think I'd believe it. I think it's time we talked about it talked about 4th and 19. All right, so it's fourth down. We're backed up close to the end goal, I think about the five yard line. I'm excited, you know, I'm going out. Regardless, whatever happens, I'm pretty excited. Get the signal from the sideline, we're gonna run our fake. From the five, that's the room that Johnny Linehan has to get it away to Atillion Butler. Linehan on the run, and that's going nowhere. Oh, my goodness. I still can't believe it. Did they really just do that? Did that, did that play just happen? Johnny. Why? I'm, I was pretty excited. Everyone knows me. Johnny Rugby, going to show who I am. Negative three yards was the end result. Sorry, are you a running back? No, you're a punter. Punt the ball. He went literally from hero to negative three yards in one play. 
So after the game, when we get on the plane, obviously specialists are at the back of the plane, all the important players in first class with the big seats, specialists go back to squeeze in the middle seat, sometimes in the bathroom stall. Coach Sataki just grabs me, gives me a big hug, tells me shake it off. Coach Lamb tells me, hey, it's gonna be all right. Actually, I don't think he told me that. I think I was telling myself that at the time, just kind of self-reassurance. As bad as that was, and it was bad, Boise State got zero points as a result of fourth and 19. So why can't we focus on that? I kind of went through a whole range of emotions, you know, angry, sad, crying, laughing, not laughing. And it was really difficult for me. I saw the Instagram followers. I mean, they were never there, but they were dropping off. Twitter followers, they were kind of there. They were dropping off. I got to a point where following the game, I purchased three-day-old gas station sushi. That pretty much sums up the emotions of October 20th, 2016. I didn't mean for any of that to happen. Like, I'm sorry. Hopefully you remember the good that Johnny Linehan did on the football field. 1984 National Championship, Heisman Trophy winner. But what are we talking about? We're talking about fourth and 19, a play that gave the opponent ultimately zero points. This is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? Can I leave yet? Oh. I shouldn't be angry, I should be thanking him. As producer of BYU Sports Nation, three years later, it's still giving us content. And so even though that, that fake punt didn't work at that time and another one that I will not talk about, like the one at LSU, just in case you're wondering, no, we won't go into that, but uh, that was my decision. Anyway, so a lot, of, a lot of people ask me would I do it again? Yeah, yeah, I'd do it over and over and over again. I got on SportsCenter top 10, but not top 10, but top 10. Nevertheless, yeah, I'd, I'd do it again. Yeah, no doubt. What? <laughs> really? You do it again? <laughs> Every year. Every year we have to talk about that play. It's the stupidest you, play in BYU. You really history. do it again, Johnny? I don't think you would do it again. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move it. Yeah. Whip it! Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your integrated <laughs> container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. BYU Baseball at Utah tonight. What's the chance this will be a fifth straight one-run game? Uh, I'm going to say like 10%. I don't think this is going to be close. I expect the Batcats to win, you know, handily. Three or four run win. BYU's pitching staff is really good. I know Utah's playing well. I expect the bats to show up. BYU's going to take care of business. Not a one-run game. BYU's, BYU's winning 8-2, exactly. Ooh, 8-2. Yeah. Six runs. Yeah, win. I, I have Biff's book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, this is not a joke. A Utah State fan placed a $1,000 bet on the Aggies <laughs> to win the college football playoff national championship. Is there a worse way to spend $1,000? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just kiss it goodbye, that's baby. Like that's gone. Just kiss it There's goodbye. There's no freaking way. Like at least, what are their odds? What are, what are the odds? I don't there? care what the odds they, are. They Never put... tell me the odds. <laughs> BGB, Big Game Boomer, names LaBelle Edwards Stadium the most scenic <laughs> venue in college football. Is it even the most scenic venue on campus? Uh, yeah, I don't know. There are so many beautiful views on campus, but when you get in the press box, it's hard to beat that view in college football and anywhere else on campus. Like, where else are you going to get that view on campus? If, maybe if you go to the top of one of the taller buildings on the campus? The Swicket. The Swicket, yeah. 
Um, I, I think baseball naturally squares up to the mountains a little better. True, but it's, got, um, it's, it's still got other buildings when, there, right? But when Lavelle Edwards Stadium is full mm. and it's night, it's just incredible. And there are jets flying over. It's hard to beat. I mean, baseball's backdrop is, is unbelievable. I, baseball's hard to beat for me. I, I think, think it's ba- number one. I think baseball's the number one. Just because it's- and Ramsey's arms. Yeah, I can see the depth. It has better depth. Right? It just goes farther. Yeah. What is this, fall camp? We're saying the D word right now. Settle down, Jason Shepard. (laughs) (laughs) Yesterday, Zach Wilson put on his Instagram account the following question. With a mullet coming out of the back of his head, or the beginnings of a mullet, I should say. It's not quite a mullet. Should he continue to grow this early stages mullet? Yes. It's April. It's April. Why not? You think so? It's April. Why not? I... I don't believe he'll actually do it. I'm all for mullets. Like, it's super cool, but... It's super cool? The trend, the trend is for the athletes. Sorry. It's fun. That's the word I'm looking for. Not cool. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not digging this. You're not digging it? No. No. (laughs) The quarterback of the New York Jets, you don't need to give the New York media anything else. Yeah, they'll, well, they'll do whatever. Yeah. Uh, Okay, coming up, the top five former coaches in BYU history, the best ones ever. And he's a discus champion, getting it done for BYU track and field. Dallin Schertz makes his show debut. How do you get into discus? We're going to ask him. First discus thrower in show history? It's BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After the game at Utah tonight, check out the baseball team taking on San Diego in a three-game set starting Thursday at 8 Eastern time on the BYU TV app. Listen on the BYU radio app as well. Hey, Jeremy, I want that Utah State fan to take that $1,000 bet that he put on the Aggies to win the college football playoff national championship and throw it on BYU to beat Utah in baseball tonight. That's what that's what. There's no gambling line on that. <laughs> Get out of here. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. You degenerate. Live from Studio B. Joining us now, our second guest of the day. He is a discus champion. His name is Dallin Schertz of BYU Track and Field. Nationally ranked BYU Track and Field, we should point out. Dallin, welcome to the show. Thanks. Hey. Dallin and I were just uh, chopping it up over going to the same mission, dude. This is pretty fantastic. Puerto Alegre North. There are like uh, 78 missions in Brazil, I feel like. Like 30-something. To serve in the same one, I feel like there's minimal chance. Yeah, it's it's the best mission in the world, right? Agreed. Way better (laughs) than Puerto Alegre South. Yeah. We need to know your backstory. How does one get into and then decide to pursue throwing the discus? Because it is such a unique sport. So how did that work for you? That's a very good question. Um, I actually wanted to run the 400 in college. And I was very athletic. I actually did soccer and basketball and ran cross country, if you believe it or not. Okay. I tell people that and they're like, what? <laughs> you ran cross country? How tall are you? Six, seven. Yeah, six, yeah, you're, you're big six dude. seven. Okay, yeah. continue. Okay, so sophomore year, right before season started, track season, because I was like, I'm going to run the 400, four by four. I broke my foot. So I was like, well, I got to do something still. So I decided to just do the throws. And then like um, about a month before districts or state, my boot came off because I had to do ha- have to have surgery, and I threw the discus in a PR by 50 feet that year. <laughs> um, and then I also went to state and got third. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should probably throw a discus instead of run because I think I'm better at that than running. I still ran the four by four until the end of my uh, uh, high school career. Okay. But 
but you know, I, I stuck with the disc. Now to clarify, you were experimenting throwing the discus while you were recovering from a broken foot? Yes. So were you throwing on the off foot? No, the other I, foot I, or something? I was just like standing there and throwing it. What in the world? Yeah. So then once your foot got healthy, you threw it even further, I assume? For, yeah. Well, you know, once I got my boot off, I could spin. <laughs> you and weren't even spinning? Wait, you were, you you were just, just standing stand throwing? throwing? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you take third standing? No. Okay, okay so, you were spinning yeah. at that point? So I was okay. spinning at that point. Wow. Okay, that's crazy, man. Hey, what are your aspirations at this point within discus? Like, how far do you want to try and take this thing? That's a discus pun. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking right now I'm throw, I, I, my PR is 200 feet. And as far as distance goes, I'd like to throw at least uh, two meters further this year. I think I could do that. Um, wow. But in, you know, a few years, I'd like to be ranked in the top top three you know podium at, na at at nationals is the idea so will the two meters get you there is that that get you in the conversation that's an interesting question this year is ridiculously stacked um okay. we have multiple throwers who are very good um in a normal year i probably could take first at nationals you know with what i'm doing now but right now i'm ranked eighth in the nation which is kind of crazy that's so amazing and you just won the uh, beach invitational right yeah. Pretty cool. That was a crazy weekend. <laughs> what was crazy about it? A lot of meets in three days. Yeah. Yeah. 20. Like the, the team was spread out, right? Yeah. So we had people at Mount Sac. We had people at Long Beach. Um, and they're like an hour away, um, you know, especially with traffic. It's awful. You just Ubering from place to place, Dallin? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Is it like same hotel? You just meet up at night? How'd you do? How'd you do? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we all look at, you know, the Instagram, you know, see what everyone's doing. Um, it's always fun to see live results, you know, or some Instagram pages do, you know, a live stream. So we watch that. Um, and, you know, all, all the runners were up at Mount Sac. Most of the throws were just at Long Beach. Those are two great meets because discus is an aerodynamic event. So if you have good wind, mm. it'll go a little farther. Okay. Wind aided. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Your bio says that German was your first language. That's correct. English is your second? Yeah. And then you speak Portuguese from uh, your mission. Yeah. Any other languages in there, man? No. Did you okay in, in we're, southern we're, Brazil? We're, we're trying to learn the language of love, but you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How was the progress there? <laughs> we're working on it, <laughs> dude. In in southern Brazil, there are a bunch of Germans who came over. Did you encounter any? Very Germans? few, mostly Italians. Okay, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. I was gonna say in, in Gramado, I thought there were some Germans there, but maybe not. I guess not as many as you think. Did they call I, you? Hey, Alimão. All the time. Yeah. Hey, German. They'd yeah. yell at me. Hey, German. I'm like, I'm American. <laughs> like, what? Just because I'm white? Yeah. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Dallin Schertz of BYU Track and Field is on BYU Sports Nation. Both BYU men's and women's teams are ranked in the top ten nationally, both number eight. It's such a unique dynamic because there are so many individuals competing for the team, and you get points, and it's just so far spread out. So how much do you think about obtaining the team championship compared to just what you're doing individually? Um. I would say as a team, you know, if, if you look at track and field as a team sport, the most you can really do is cheer each other on. Um, some people have strengths, you know, like sometimes they're mentally stronger than others and they can give pointers about how to just be in the zone of focus because that's the most important thing when you're competing is to have good focus um, and live in the present and just, you know, stop thinking about what everyone else is doing just worry about your performance. Um, and so as a team, you cheer each other on. 
But individually, um, you're working on your cues, you're trying to figure out what you need to do, like where you need to be mentally, your preparation is huge. Our trainers, our lifesavers, they, yeah. you know, they, they, they fix us up when we're all broken and we're, a lot of us are broken. So, um, you know, aching hamstrings, I mean, you name it. So, I mean, yeah. Well, we're talking to a man that threw the discus, you know, on a broken foot and didn't spin and, and, and worked it out. So I'm gathering you, uh, you've, got, you've earned your man card, Dallin. You've earned that time and again. And, and you're doing molecular biology. So you wanted an easy major? Is that what I think? <laughs> uh, we actually changed that to microbiology. Oh, micro. Oh, oh much, so, well, much what a step easier. back. <laughs> much easier. Step back. Yeah. What do you want to do with that? Um, pre-dental. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm looking to go to dental school. Oh. So that is plan A. Uh, and you said you're from Banks, Oregon. Uh, I didn't know where that was in Oregon. Explain where that is to the people. Um, Oregon is about 45, an hour west of Portland and 45 from the coast. So we're kind of next to Astoria and Tillamook, about an hour oh, from okay. each. Yeah. Astoria is where the Goonies was filmed. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hey, so, you guys. You know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right, Dan, let's finish with this. Robison Invitational is this weekend. You get to compete at home. As a discus thrower, is there any type of advantage of competing at home, or, be, or does it not matter to you where you're competing? I think there is an advantage because you practice at home every day. Um, but I personally like it when the weather's warm and when there's good competition. I, I, I usually compete up to my competition. Okay. Um, but it's just, you know, home turf, family's going to be there, your friends can show up, you know. There's just more people cheering for you. Do you hear them? I mean, do you hear them going crazy when you're getting set for your discus, or are you zoned in? I'm usually pretty zoned in. Okay. Yeah. But afterwards, like, did you hear me yell for you? I'm like, I think so. <laughs> just, at that point, you just say yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what day are you throwing exactly? All three days? Saturday. Saturday. High of 50, 70% chance of rain. So. Yep. Well, it's not looking great. Yeah, Hopefully, well, it'll change. Well, yeah, I, we're all praying. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> let's go. Exactly. Down, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for that. How that works is you come on the show, you get karma, you take it with you, and you're going to compete. And well. we want your signature. Yeah. So take care of that. Yeah. We'll have you sign that during the commercial break. Yeah, we'll have you sign that in a second. Alrighty. Follow Kata. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you saw you. <laughs> let's go. Thanks, Down. Okay, coming up, top five Tuesday, the best former coaches in BYU history. And a shout out to. Just one of the many Batcats that are crushing it right now, quite literally. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. It is that time, Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines Keep Climbing. And not just any top five Tuesday. With the coaching changes taking place and the great Jeff Judkins of BYU Women's Basketball retiring, we break down the top five coaches all time, beginning with Jody Maxfield. 30 years as the head coach of the now 23-time, or is it 22? I, it's so There's many. so many, we don't so even many. know the number. She won 19 as the yes. head coach. They're up around 23 national championships. First title all the way back in 1996. When you think BYU, you might not think hip-hop. But BYU has won six hip hop titles with the Cougars. And this you know is what I'm saying? Top level They've division. Got viral game, and I wish Cosmo could participate as well. They're longtime rivals, the Ladybirds of Louisville. Mm. And they beat them on a regular basis. All right, Jerem. 
at number four. Stan Watts, men's basketball coach from 1949 to 72. He is in the Basketball Hall of Fame. BYU has two members of that, Chris Mirchosich, the other. Danny Ainge should be in that at some point. I would hope Jim Fredette as well. Inducted into that in 1986. Two NIT titles in 51 and 66. That's of course, incredible. The NIT was a bigger deal back in the day. He, National Hall of Fame coach in the National Hall of Fame. And you know what? Just because I know he's your guy, I want you to do number three as well. Carl McGowan. Yes. Men's volleyball coach from 90 to 2002. Two national championships, 99 and 01. Two National Coach of the Year honors. Really built this program. His influence is seen still in the program today and throughout college volleyball. 18 different All-Americans. Served as head coach of the USA teams from 73 to 76. I feel like he's, in a way, the Lavelle Edwards of yes, volleyball. Exactly. Right? Number two, Elaine Michaelis. At one point, she was the head coach of women's volleyball, women's basketball, women's field hockey, and softball. Field hockey. All at the same time. Incredible. Main coaching job was with the women's volleyball team, 41 years, never had a losing season, 28 consecutive 20-win seasons. Teams qualified for 30 of the 33 national tournaments. Unbelievable. There's a reason her name is on the court. Elaine Michaelis at number two. Still shows up in matches, by the way. Second all-time in Division I victories. Number one, Lavelle Edwards. Took over the football program in 72. Of course, won the national championship in 84. Heisman in 90. 27 straight non-losing seasons from 74 <laughs> to 2000. 257 wins. Eighth in college football history. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. Lavelle Edwards is the GOAT. Yes, he is. Our question of the day. It's not about the coaches. <laughs> it's about BYU basketball. Under Mark Pope, rebuilding and trying to make a run for the NCAA tournament. Can they rebuild enough, having lost so many key pieces to the transfer portal and graduation? Jared Hulkinson on Facebook is our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, says, I'm nervous and excited to see what Pope does to get the Cougars on track for March Madness and the Big 12. He's got the enthusiasm for it. Now let's go get the people to match. There's an opportunity to bring in some really good players with uh, more spots. Obviously, it's a little nerve-wracking because you're like, wait, one, why is everyone leaving? What's going on? Oh, you think of the 1,420, there's somebody out there? Probably. Okay. Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. WCC Player of the Week for Baseball, Mason Strong. Let's go. Our thanks to today's guests, Trent Pratt and Dallin Schertz. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, we ran out of time. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Jake Toulson. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs and go Lavelle.